0: Welcome to Diverse Dialogues from IELTS USA. Each episode of our podcast draws together a diverse range of voices, including educators, administrators, students, and everyone in between, to explore topics vital to international education. Listen as these different perspectives build compelling, multifaceted dialogues around today's most pressing higher education themes. One quick programming note the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the guests on the podcast. These views and opinions do not necessarily represent those of IELTS USA. In this episode, we'll be exploring a sense of belonging at U.S. institutions. Let's meet our guests.
1: My name is Joanne ng I'm the Senior Director for International Enrollment Management, International Student Scholar Services, and Volunteer Engagement at NASA Association of International Educators.
2: My name is Jessica Sandberg, and I work for Duke Kunshan University. Duke Kunshan University is a partner institution founded by Duke University and Wuhan University. Um, My role is the Dean of International Enrollment, so that role consists of um, managing all facets of enrollment for international students, including recruitment, marketing, financial aid, selection, uh, and so forth.
3: My name is Istiar Chaudhuri. I work at Trinity College as Senior Associate Director of Admissions Uh, In some of my other roles. I'm also uh, VP for diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, for international ACAC. Uh, I also coordinate some of the DEI initiatives within the admissions office here at Trinity. So uh, alongside that, I oversee international admissions for Trinity. I've been doing international admissions uh, the entirety of my career, which is about nine and a half years now. Uh, in admissions.
4: My name is Sarita Rebulagata. I just finished my PhD in Higher Education Leadership Management and Policy. I have a Master's in the same university in Communication. I'm currently uh, working as an Associate Director for Enrich Learning, which focuses on after school enrichment of K-12 students.
0: IELTS believes a community where international students are integrated into the learning process and social environment benefits everyone. It's well known that international students make extraordinary contributions to academic, cultural, scientific, and economic endeavors in the United States. But research also shows that when students from majority groups are exposed to individuals who are different from themselves, it can support cognitive growth, awareness of implicit bias, and create more inclusive societies. Being prepared for meaningful cross-cultural experience and communication is a core component of creating inclusive learning in social environments where all feel equally welcome and engaged. This foundation overlaps with individual needs like managing mental and physical health and safety, support for traditionally marginalized and underrepresented groups, and cultivating avenues for student professional development and job opportunities where outcomes are measured far beyond the classroom. Many educational institutions are currently examining the international student experience as part of the wider hot-button issue of inclusion. IELTS wants to know, what does an inclusive organization look like And how does an organization foster and grow a sense of belonging, which is vital for everyone invested in these efforts?
4: I um, immigrated from India, South India to be specific, uh, to do my master's um, at a university in New Jersey. And I've been with that university after my master's to pursue my PhD. um, And I just got my PhD in higher education leadership management and policy. And my dissertation uh, was about Indian female graduate students and their experiences in American higher education.
0: Sarita's studies and research at Seton Hall University have provided her with a unique perspective. She joined the on-campus chapter of the National Coalition Building Institute and was trained in diversity leadership, leading several diversity and inclusion workshops for administrators, faculty, clubs on campus, and particularly incoming freshmen. Sarita's knowledge of the challenges that international students face is gathered from these experiences and the research she conducted for her dissertation.
4: A little bit more about my background is that I also worked in educational opportunity program as a GA, where I got to really understand the issues that minorities face here in American higher education, you know, minority students, particularly uh, black and Hispanic students face here in American higher education. And then I went on to work as an adjunct faculty in the Department of Communication, where I was able to really understand um, student population in general, you know, as an entirety and and learn that all of these students who come to the campus um, have never been in a multicultural environment before, you know, before coming to the campus. They've always been in their own communities where either it's largely, you know, their, um, their uh, ethnic background. And when they come to a university, they do not know how to really respond to the diversity or they do not really understand
1: how to.
0: With that said, what can institutions do to help their international students feel welcome and included?
1: Intentionality and ideas. Many schools do this already, but it's just having um, strategy and intentionality. One very common one is shared residence halls, right, where international students are partnered with domestic students and they live together. Um, there are some special um institutions, not special institutions, but institutions that run these special um, co-programs where it's a living and learning community, for example. There's intentionality built into the activities for that week, but also it bleeds into the classroom, if you will, that they are enrolled in, let's say, an intercultural communication course together with international students. Or um, programs where um, tutoring centers hire international students who are native speakers of French, German, Chinese, whatever it is, right, So that tutoring happens for the students who need it and friendships occur that way. Discussions occur that way. So, and again, strategy and intentionality.
3: There's different stages I think of making students feel welcome, right? The first is through the admissions process, um, making them feel like we are attentive to uh, their needs in the admissions process and not just foisting an American admissions process onto them, right? Uh, I think a big challenge that international students have is trying to adapt, trying to get the documents, trying to have their teachers and, you know, counselors, principals sort of fulfill our American requirements. So that flexibility, meeting students where they are in the middle, uh, compromising in the process, I think is really important, Uh, you know, compromising with the student to make the process accessible for them. And so starting from the admissions process, once students actually get to campus, I I strive to sort of engage with students throughout the semester. Uh, Being present, you know, being present to appreciate the contributions and all that the international students are doing on campus, I think, uh, goes a very long way because I found our international students tend to be some of the most proactive students in terms of organizing events. They want to share their culture. They want to learn about others. Uh, you know, they, many of them take diversity to heart. You know, they see themselves as contributing, but also learning very actively. So uh, being present and, and, you know, being there to, to help them with that, to, to see what they have to share, I think goes a long way as well. Not just disconnecting with them uh, once the admissions process is over.
0: Let's bring Jessica into this conversation. In addition to being the Dean of International Enrollment at your university, what else is it that you do?
2: I also work um, in a volunteer capacity as the chair for the International Enrollment Knowledge Community for NASA, which is a, a large member organization uh, for international education professionals. And um, part of my background is having led the National campaign for the for U.S. Um, higher education called "You Are Welcome Here," which was a, um, which is a program designed a marketing program designed to um, kind of roll out the welcome mat for international students coming to the United States, mm-hmm. and also there's an associated scholarship program that has hundreds of participating universities. So that's what brings me to the table today.
0: Tell us about your You Are Welcome Here campaign.
2: Yeah, so the campaign was started in 2016 really in response to some of the negative rhetoric that was coming out of official um, microphones in the United States in terms of kind of anti immigration sentiment. And so, um, across uh, higher education, those of us that are responsible for bringing international students to the United States were increasingly um, needing to respond to questions about how welcoming our, our, our campuses would be. And so um, there was a little grassroots campaign that bubbled up. Um, a group of universities got together and used the tagline, you're welcome here. And um, from there, um, in my capacity, I was working for Temple University at the time, um we just started to spread the word about this campaign and really tried to promote use of the hashtag and also development of similar videos, which really featured members of the campus communities um, welcoming international students, just expressing their desire for having international students on campus, maybe expressing um, how they personally benefited. And it was important that those videos showcased not just international education administrators like me. But classmates, teachers, um, grounds workers, you know, people in the cafeteria, just really, uh, really expressing the, the impact, the breadth of the impact on those communities. And some, in some cases, really the towns as well. You know, some of those videos featured mayors and governors and um, coffee shop workers who, who supported the, the greater campus community.
0: You can find those videos on YouTube. Here's a sample as to what one of Temple's You Are Welcome Here videos sounds like. Hi, I'm Jim Kenney, the mayor of Philadelphia, where America was founded. We are a city of diverse, multicultural neighborhoods, rich history and vibrant culture. Please join us in a city of brotherly love. No matter what you heard, you are welcome here.
1: You are
4: welcome here.
0: I'm Anwar, class of 2016, You are welcome here, I'm Sheila, class of
4: 1991, and you you are welcome here.
2: Um, so that's how it, it it was originally given life. Um, it um, has since grown. Again, there are hundreds and hundreds of participating universities that use this um, phrasing in their materials. And um, then the scholarship program um, was born in 2018, um, running under that same tagline. Um, and that's a way for institutions again to kind of promote, put put, put their money where their mouth is, I suppose, um, in the spirit of that same.
1: Um, Welcome. It's easy just to say, I want to be inclusive. I want to be more diverse. But it comes with, again, going back to the word intention and intentionality and a strategy of how you go about doing that. The importance is really about, I strongly believe this personally, but also in the work I do at my association, that In order to have more peace, more justice, people have to learn from each other and and, um, in survey after survey, especially after, you know, during the pandemic of, of potential students who are seeking to study abroad from their home country, they want to make the world a better place. That's a quote from one of the surveys that I have looked at where they really truly want to think about those um, voices and and how they can build a better future for themselves. That's why we're also seeing a lot of um, student activism be it in climate, be it in social justice. Students feel like they are a part of this global society. And so giving them voices and um, at the same time, within your own campus, training, providing support, um, having conversations around diversity and inclusion is a must. Um, student, uh, schools that don't address that is only going to start out with Behind from other schools that are doing it very well and continuously and consistently with intentionality, host programs, this uh, ha- discussions, events, support services, and have a strategy behind that um, is is I, I think to me again, to build that better future for for the students. One university, actually
4: it was the International Students Association, particularly the Indian Students Association that um, ran these um, buses from the airport to pick up international students, to bring them back on campus. That one student said, just looking at that banner where she said uh, the university welcomes, you know, students from India, students from China, so that made her feel so much more welcome. And she saw that on at the airport, it immediately created that sense of belonging right from there, you know, right from when she got off that plane at the airport. And not many universities do that, and most of the universities that do that are. Uh, This is done by Indian students or international students by themselves, but it should be a university institution-wide effort to start from there and even start before they come into the country. You know, giving them information and tools on what they would need once they come here is also very important.
0: Coming up, we're going to talk about what some schools are doing right when it comes to cultivating a sense of belonging among international students and what improvements need to be made. Vibrant discussion in a lecture hall, a meeting room, or a coffee shop is an incredibly important element in our lives, whether that be in an academic, work, or social setting. IELTS is the only language assessment that realistically evaluates a person's speaking ability. Trust IELTS when you need to know for sure. Find out more at IELTS.org slash USA. We're back with our panel exploring a sense of belonging at U.S. institutions. Let's look at some examples of how some institutions are succeeding at building inclusiveness and cultivating a meaningful cross-cultural experience on campus.
3: I think where Trinity excels as a small liberal arts institution uh, is more of the individualized one-on-one type of interactions and relationships that international students can build. And so I've seen some fantastic relationships grow out of research that students are doing. And, you know, coming to study human rights, which is a major at Trinity and examining that through a lens uh, that they might not have thought about before, might not be able to do, you know, in their home country, depending on the political climate, Uh, they're able to do that. But I think, you know, build some real relationships and also immerse themselves in society and politics here in America, if, if they're trying to get a taste of that.
0: Yeah, good point. And Jessica, You've had some experience with sports being used as a way to help make international students feel more welcome and included on campus. Tell us about it
2: one of the things that's important on so many college campuses is sports, right? Whether it's football or basketball, that's a central organizing principle, right? It's core to a university's identity. It's a big part of the social scene on campus. And so this is really part of the fabric of institutional culture. If you're an international student coming onto that campus and you don't know a thing about football, American football, um, you're really you're really blocked out of a big part of the institution. And so I think, you know, something that we developed when I was at Temple University was not, not during the first week when there's so much coming at the students, but in the first month or so, the football coach who's, you know, this is a division one school, right? So this is a big, you know, big uh, team with a lot of sort of famous players, but A handful of the football players and the coach would open up the the football field to international students for like a private session and they'd teach them the rules of the game, um, let them try on the equipment, let them run around the field, um, show them some clips of games. And then they'd also have like the spirit squad come out and teach them how to chant, you know, what the fight song is. Um, how to jeer at the opposing team during a game, you know, what face painting is in, entails. Um, and I feel like just those, that, that little introduction and that, that spirit of welcome in that way gave the students the keys to participate in something that is really a time-honored tradition. And we usually, usually they ended it by giving them some free tickets so they could then go to the next game and have a seat and participate. And I think little moments like that are really important um, in getting outside of just the classroom adaptations. You know, how do we get a student ready, making sure their English is good enough for class and to those time management skills, the essay writing skills, all well and good. But if you want a student to thrive, I think you have to think about what's happening outside of the class and how you can facilitate um, that integration.
1: So the schools that have been successful are the ones who are in cons- constant communication with the students and meeting the student's needs. They're listening, they're understanding, they have a good understanding of who their students are and what the students are seeking, right? Those are the successful ones. And adapting, tweaking if they already have programs, but they constantly are in communication with the students to know what's on the ground. The ones that have faced challenges, I would say, are probably, um, as far as the campaign is concerned, you know, um, many times international students look for, let's say, the big 50 schools, the most well-known schools, and then they sort of fail to look at, you know, smaller institutions, regional institutions, for example, that can provide that rich experience as well, but they're not aware of it only because of the way media and the news report on things, just like, you know, you see New York and California as the... Representing the U.S., right? Students overlook what is not highlighted to them. But once they meet, um, you know, let's say a recruiter from a a regional institution and that rapport and relationship begins, that makes a difference, right? The people to people connection and interaction What makes them feel good and welcomed and safe and, you know, their information um, gathering is met with responses and support. I think that's what's making the difference in terms of what's successful and, and what the challenges are.
0: And now we need to look at the other side of this issue. We need to discuss some improvements that can be made to help international students feel like an integrated part of their community.
4: There also should be some concrete efforts um, or programs that can address the issues that the international students face. You know, For example, when I came in here, I did not have a social security number. I did not even know what a social security number was. Um, to apply for a social security number, I needed to go to this SSN office that you know, they say, but transportation is a big issue for international students who come here. They don't own a car. They don't have a driver's license. Um, and then uh, to get a phone, you need a social security number. So it's, it's, it's crazy, like you don't have credit. You can't buy a phone, uh, you know, unless you have some kind of a credit card. But you cannot get a credit card or a bank card unless you have a social security number. So this is all too much to deal with right when you come uh, to the country, especially you're also dealing with other a transition issues, being away from your family, you know, the stress of uh, getting to know the academic environment, courses, you know, uh, your assignments, and all of these things are already um, creating some stress. And on top of that, the lifestyle issues where you have to figure out, you know, uh, things about food. So all of this can really compound the stress that international students face. So having a place on campus where it makes it easier for them to navigate these things, I think is more important as well. You know, having programs uh, to welcome students is great, but having other, um, you know, administrators or staff being aware of these issues where they can help international students deal with them um, to mitigate the transition stress that they face is also, I think, highly important. Yeah, I think
3: when it comes to serving international students better, As a whole, American institutions have a couple areas to to work on. One is transparency, communication, process, right? Making sure students have a clear understanding of their chances of admission, of what the process is to advocate for themselves, and then making sure, you know, whoever they reach out to, gives them a good vibe, gives them a welcoming vibe, is able to engage with them and doesn't make them feel like an afterthought or a burden, uh, even in some cases. I mean, I've heard many times from uh, some people in, in the field of how much extra work international students are because of their extra questions and the time needed to address those concerns. Uh, but you know, we have to really understand that almost every international student is coming from a first generation type of background if you look at it from the lens of their parents not having gone through this process um, of US admissions. But uh, the, the biggest thing I would say that I try to advocate for is making our processes more flexible and adapting to what the rest of the world does instead of imposing our system, forcing students to conform to our admissions processes and systems, and then saying it's, it's our way or the highway. There are many schools that have recognized they have to do things a certain way for their students to have the best chances uh, of admission at a U.S. institution. Um, you know, there's been a legacy of expatriate schools, you know, expat schools, international schools that, you know, follow the Western or American tradition of what well, is preparing transcripts, recommendations, you know, preparing students for that admission process. But, At the end of the day, that's truly the minority of international students, and I think we're missing huge swaths of students that can't tap into a U.S. college experience simply because their school, their preparation, you know, just isn't tailored to our process, even though they're still very qualified. So we need to adapt. We need to become more flexible. You know, we can have an American-centric education offering, uh, but our process needs to shift away from trying to force every high school and every student to have an American centric high school experience and preparation.
2: I think one more thing I would mention that that often gets missed is it's all well and good to talk about integration and support and messaging and programming and social experiences. But at the end of the day, the biggest barrier for international students coming to our institutions is financial. And so I think that we need to, as an industry, think about how we address that. Um, If we want to truly have a diverse community and we want to make opportunities for people, then we have to think about the financial barriers. And I think about this in a couple of ways. Um, I think there are three areas that that are worth exploring. One of them is the most traditional, which is financial aid. Um, So there are ways, not all institutions offer it, but there are ways to evaluate students' financial situation and to use our funding, if we have it, um, to support those students and bring them to our campuses. Um, The second way, and I think this has gotten much more traction with the pandemic, is the availability of emergency funding and thinking uh, carefully about how international students in particular have needs um, that that are emergency related. So with the pandemic, I think a lot of these funds have um, been developed and hopefully they'll stick around because international students do have unique um, problems and costs associated with um, their immigration status. Oftentimes, you know, being stranded, um, getting stuck over the holidays if they can't travel, um, currency fluctuations, um, um, all manner of things um, that, that can um, be a barrier for them. The, their inability to work off campus is often another piece of it um, that just, it's just different than, um, than the opportunities that domestic students have. So thinking about how we can support them after they've arrived, um, making sure that we have that flexibility. And then the, the last piece uh, that I think is something to explore is that most institutions have made their programming um, virtual, at some point for some length of time in the last two years. And I think that having done that, it also offers us an opportunity to think about access for students that cannot get to our campuses. Um, And and that, that is often because of cost. It's not just the cost of tuition, it's the cost of travel, it's housing, it's food. It's enormously expensive to live abroad. Um, sometimes there are other barriers, you know, that are, that are family related or personal related, um, for, for students. So I think there's an opportunity to reach students that we've not reached before, um, through virtual programming. And maybe these happen in parallel with our campus based programs. Um, and we need to think about what the cost and access is going to be for international students in those ways. But I think that now that we've done it similar to the test optional thing, you know, now that we've done it, we've solved that problem. How can we repurpose it and um, um, to support some of these goals that we've had for so long?
0: Before we wrap up for today, I want to ask the panel: What recommendations do you have for the powers that be?
3: Invest in current student support resources, and that stems from sort of a business model that's developed in higher education in the U.S., where I think there are. Tons of opportunities being given to students that are of high financial need coming from outside the United States. Uh, that's sort of one of the, the strengths of, of US higher ed, as for all our shortcomings, students continue to apply to the US because I think we compete when it comes to giving scholarships and financially to international students. Uh, but there's, there's the other side of it as well, where institutions in some Cases have even become dependent on, on revenue from international students and sort of the higher socioeconomic band of, of international students that are able to join us.
1: If you start seeing that there's happiness, satisfaction, I mean, that sounds kitschy to say happiness, but I, I think that if, if you see that rapport being built and that, that diversity and inclusion is not an afterthought, but that it is front and center in everything you plan. Um, I think that's part of the success story that you're able to front and center without any like afterthought or, or say, Oh, we forgot about that. What do we do about that? Or that it's added as a side piece to something you're doing, but that it is at the heart of every planning, every discussion, every activity that you engage with students on, that's, I think, success that you've come a long way to talk about the topic of diversity and inclusion.
4: Uh, If administrators and faculty are aware of this, maybe there would be more programs to help them understand and um, come up with efforts to really help international students because they are a huge population on campus. It is being increased. Uh, the, The numbers are continually increasing every year especially from, you know, uh, the Asian countries and America is an excellent place and a a place that is number one in terms of all the international students want to come to America to study their their programs, their universities have such a great reputation, you know, around the world and uh, administrators can capitalize on that provided if they do a little bit more in trying to create programs that can help these international students you know integrate into the community more more and really i think it's it's good for everybody it's going to enrich the campus environment it's going to create a more multiculturally competent you know uh students when they graduate so they can actually work in a diverse environment
3: i think that the biggest thing i wish would change is that the, those funds, you know, regardless of, of how a college's business model works and depends on international students, I would love to see those funds always channeled back into supporting international students um, in some way, shape, or form. Because, uh, you know, a decade ago, it wasn't as good it is as it is now. It was sort of like bringing the international students, let them find their own way. It's obviously improved. They've, re- you know, I think leaders have realized that you need to reinvest in those different kinds of supports if you're gonna have good retention, if these students are gonna thrive, if they're gonna you know feel welcome and included. Um, but it's it's not a one-model fits all. And I think there's a misperception that something I mentioned earlier, you know, international student equals more work when it really is a calculus of you know, international students just require different work.
0: Thank you for listening to Diverse Dialogues from IELTS USA. Find out more at IELTS.org USA. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group, Darren Sutherland, executive producer, Jeremy Powell, creative director, Jacob Sutherland, director, producers Jason Gentarola and Matt Golden, and Keja May, copywriter, all rights reserved.